What's going on, everybody? We are back for season two. We are so excited to be back. Um, I had a nice little break. I hope everyone is doing well. Um, welcome back to the Players Experience Podcast. On today's episode to launch season two, we have Frank Saravelli, our hockey NHL insider that covers everything that there is hockey. We're going to talk with him about uh, his work with TSN, what it's like on the daily face-off, the podcast that he runs on his end as well, what it was like to accurately announce every draft pick that the Seattle Kraken ended up doing during their expansion draft this year and kind of the feedback that he got from it and so much more. Before we bring Frank onto the show, just want to give a shout-out to our production team, Jay Solty Photography and Vicmar Productions for their work on each and every episode as well. Make sure to check out our merchandise that's still available for purchase through 19 Marketing. You can get some hats and some shirts to represent the brand. Um, also, guys, we have discount codes with Hush Blankets, the Great North Apparel, and the Jaywalk, so make sure to use the Players Experience code when you're checking out with those. And lastly, guys, if you haven't done it yet, it's season two. It's time to do it and time to get it done now. Hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, hit the follow, and make sure you're following all the great content that we're going to be putting out every couple of weeks now. Um, and, and we're excited to bring on new and exciting guests uh, every time. So without further ado, let's get Frank on and start talking about his hockey career, how he got started, and some exciting new moments around it. Frank, how's it going, man? Really good. Glad to be with you, Ryan. Good. Yeah, thank you so much for taking time. How have things been with this whole hockey season coming back? With We're still dealing with COVID, but how have things been on your end? It's uh, It's been like drinking through a fire hose. That's uh, It's like full steam ahead, almost like the pandemic sort of, not to say it never happened, but uh, things were so different for so long. I think the biggest jolt for me is just having fans back in the stands and just the, you see the emotion that players play off of even just the first couple of weeks of the season here, it feels like a different game. And I don't know if I'm alone in saying that even though covering hockey is my job, that there was that emotional element that was missing from it last season that I think made it watching games on TV hard. Um, and certainly being in the rink, super strange as well. So um, yeah, really odd, but I'm glad that things are back to closer to normal and um, that same sort of energy level is there. No, for sure. Like, I got to go to a Leafs preseason game because, like, I'm over here. I can afford regular season tickets out of here. But, uh, no, I went to a Leafs season or preseason against Ottawa, and you're right. It's just the environment and the electricity in the rink with fans. And at that time, it was only 10,000 fans compared to a full-capacity rink. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the the passion that people have for the hockey and just for sports and being able to feel normal again is incredible. Yeah, I think the only thing that's caught my attention, though, is a reminder that we're not fully back to normal because you're seeing places like Scotiabank Arena not selling out. I mean, there have been, I think, 10 or 11 home dates, at least in the first 10 or so days of the season, where none of the Canadian teams have sold out. I mean, to see the Montreal Canadiens close to a full Bell Center on opening night, then their second game 
way down at 16,000, like 5,000 short of a full house. Yeah. I think it just goes to, to show that we've still got a ways to go. No, exactly. And, but you know what, we're making the right strides. Everyone's doing the part and uh, hopefully we're almost out of it. Um, but let's, let's get into how things started with you. Um, where did the passion for sports and wanting to be a sport reporter really come for you? Honestly, it came from playing. Um, I played minor hockey, uh, low-level junior hockey, and I wasn't very good. And I kind of figured out, I guess, pretty early on that I didn't have the chops to, to get to anywhere high level. And more than that, I, I actually just hated the the working out part of it the training that I didn't have that drive and I kind of recognized that pretty quickly so I knew that I wanted to do something in hockey but I wasn't entirely sure what it was and I guess when I was maybe like 12 years old 12 13 14 I really got the the itch to start writing I was a good writer in school and I figured that would be a neat way to to kind of stay involved and um I didn't really have my eyes open to it until my first year of, of university and, and getting a chance to, um, it was actually by dumb luck. My story is kind of funny that I had written for a local hockey magazine. So I grew up in the Philly area and there's a, there's a magazine that was published in all of the rinks. It was basically free as soon as you walked in the door, kind of like sitting on a newsstand there. It's called Breakaway Magazine. And while I was in high school and playing that low-level junior hockey, I was already contributing to it and writing. And it's funny, there's a guy that wrote this back page column for the magazine. And I got a call from them in my, my first year, freshman year of university. And they said, hey, we, this guy that has our, a press credential for the Flyers from our magazine, his wife's having a baby and he just doesn't have the time to go to the games anymore. We can't pay you, but we can give you this pass. And our only ask is that you go to almost every single Flyers home game because we want to keep the pass moving forward. And so I went in there and I sort of met all these people and, um, you know, just kind of began networking. I was writing more and more, turned into some freelance gigs, then some internships. And then next thing you know, I spent a year at the Philadelphia Daily News covering everything, you know, Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, colleges, high schools, anything you could think of. And I, I left there. This is the sort of long story long. I left there to go to uh, get my master's degree in journalism because they didn't have a job for me. I went to Columbia in New York, moved there, and I got there and I was three weeks in and they knew my passion was hockey. They called me and they said, hey, the guy that used to have this job covering the Flyers, he abruptly quit two weeks before training camp. And would you like to come back and interview? And it was a pretty easy decision for me. Uh, Full-time NHL beat at a major metropolitan newspaper. The paper I grew up reading and was such a fan of. Came back, interviewed, got the job. I was 20 years old and just took off from there, covering the Flyers for six years. I was at TSN for six years after that. And now I've started my own thing with a uh, help of a talented team at Daily Faceoff. That's incredible. And honestly, like I took sport management and the one thing that they 
pressed and pressed and pressed with us was networking and the the sport world is so small and so intertwined with one thing to another that you don't know where anything's going to lead off so you want to do that networking and you want to kind of get into that group that groove and uh like it, it works out 99 percent of the time yeah i mean not always and and i had thought that i'd put in in a, you know, a really solid body of work in the year that I had spent as an intern at the Daily News covering all those different things. And they wanted to hire me, but they just didn't have anything. And so that's kind of the, the funny thing when, you know, you never know what's going to happen in terms of timing. And, you know, maybe that guy doesn't end up quitting his job. And maybe I stay the full year at Columbia and I graduate and who knows where I end up. Maybe I'm you know, working in some other industry right now, like, you know, you just never know the people you meet, the connections you make. And, you know, that's one of the real, you know, pieces of advice I would have for anyone that wants to break into this business is just meet as many people as you can, because I've found being a young person in this business that people are pretty willing to help you. Like you have to ask, you have to put yourself out there. And I think not everyone's willing to do that. Yeah, my philosophy just with anything is the worst they'll say is no. You go to a company and say, hey, can I intern with you? No. Okay, thanks, man. I'll go to the next one. And mm -hmm. you just keep pushing and grinding and until you find your, your set and where you want to be, really. And the other part is, like, try and find a way to stand out. I mean, just in starting at Daily Faceoff and putting this team together and hiring a bunch of people, like, you wouldn't believe the number of emails, tweets, you know, messages I get in my inbox on LinkedIn, all these people, I want a job. Can, you know, can I have a job? Can I like, like I get a million of those messages, find a way to make, like make me read it and, and stand out. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tricky, tricky world, but uh, it, it, when it works out, it, it works out. Now, Talking about your history with the hockey and, and your writing and your predictions. Now, I want to find out, like, have you won the lottery at all in your past? Never won the lottery. Never even yeah. really close. Okay, I well. Think the, the most I ever won was like 10 bucks on a scratch-off ticket. Okay, well, you need to start playing the lottery. I don't even know if that got me a six-pack or not. <laughs> in today's world, no, I'll get you a couple beers. Maybe it'll get you half of a beer at Scotiabank, you know? Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> But well, the reason I bring it up is over the last few years, uh, as we've seen in the NHL, we've had a few expansion teams, the Vegas mm -hmm. Golden Knights in 2017 to the newly created Seattle Kraken. There has been a lot of praise, rightfully so, for you correctly reporting on each selection ahead of the announcements. What kind of like knowledge did you have or like where did that come from uh, to not only excite a new birth of hockey in Seattle, but to accurately report who the guys were going to be going to Seattle. You said a lot of praise. I, I seem to remember Ryan, a lot of disdain as well. People saying that I had ruined the expansion draft for the Kraken and all those things. And honestly was never about the attention. I just wanted to do my job um, because I, you know, I know that any other person reporter insider, whoever it is that was armed with the same sort of intelligence and had, you know, gotten that information that they would have done the same exact thing in my shoes. So uh, it wasn't about me, but to give you the quick backstory on it, this information, it all trickles downhill. And so it, it kind of starts at the top and it goes like in, in waterfalls. And, and I'll explain it like this. 
The Kraken had to submit their list to the NHL by 10 a.m. Eastern, even though the expansion draft show itself wasn't until 8 p.m. Eastern. So that's 10 whole hours between list being submitted until the actual show itself. And in between then, word starts to filter out. It just does. Like today's society in 2021, like information moves fast. And it starts right at the NHL level and then – each team found out pretty quickly after that, hey, this is the one guy that you're losing. And so that GM of that team would then call that player and say, hey, you've been picked by Seattle. And then that player calls their agent. Then that player calls their family and friends. And then all of a sudden, the GM of that team calls another player that wasn't selected. Hey, just letting you know you're safe. We wanted to keep you the whole time and you're not being selected, and the guy selected ended up being X. And then all that information, the same process continues, agent, family, and friends. And then all of a sudden, it's like putting a complex puzzle together um, with the list and then trying to find a way to disseminate it in a way that doesn't make everyone extremely angry, which I ended up doing anyway. Well, you know what, though? Like, everyone is so, especially on the internet, People can hide behind their names. Like, I'll bet you, how many accounts did you get that were like created in, uh, when, 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 sorry, when was the expansion draft? What month? It was back in uh, June. June. Okay. Sorry. Or July. Yeah. So it's like, how many accounts were made July 2021 just to troll you, right? It's like, well, that part doesn't even bother me. Yeah. Honestly, Ryan, like, my thing is, I think what people don't realize about social media is that. You sign a contract when you log on, whether you know it or not. And that information that I'm putting out there, I'm not forcing you to consume that. You decided to consume that when you logged on and then read it. Yeah. So that's sort of how it works. If you don't want to know, and if you don't want the events, and I put spoiled in quotation marks for you, mm-hmm. then put your phone away. Yeah. Don't read the internet. Don't read, you know, the newspaper if they then report on what I had. Like don't, whatever you your source of, or of information is in today's world, stop, like put it down and put it away. And that's sort of the other part of it that like never really gets voiced is like you have the ability in your own hands to control what you see and what you don't see. 100%, like for example, a friend of mine, his dad is a huge golf fan and he was in a tournament when the masters happened. And what did he do? He turned off his phone. He went off all social media. He PVR'd the Masters. So when he got home, he can watch the Masters in full without being spoiled. Like, you're 100% accurate. And people just forget that in today's society. I think if you don't want to read something, don't go on the internet. That's Mm -hmm. point blank simple, right? So I don't know. I think it was cool because... You, I, for me, I got to see like who players were, and for me, I'm excited because I can see. Okay, is my favorite player from the Leafs just because I'm Toronto based, and Leafs are my number one team. Mm-hmm. Is the team I want or the player I want to stay on the Leafs? Is he going to stay? Who's going to be the fourth line guy on the Leafs that's going to get picked? Right. It's- well, that's what made it so interesting, right, Ryan? Is like that this expansion draft touched all 31 other markets in addition to the 32nd market being created is everyone had some skin in the game, something to lose. And it was, it's sort of that one rare event. The NHL draft is similar, but it's not as, I don't know if um, 
entertaining is the right word. It's not, it doesn't hit the same nerve center because you don't know who those players are yet. Unless you're a real draft nerd or someone that's really into watching prospects, um, you're not seeing all that. You don't know, like, hey, I have a general idea of who my team might pick in this neighborhood. But these are actual players that had contributed to your team by and large that you knew and you knew their personalities and you'd be afraid to see them go or sad to see them leave. So it touched this sort of epicenter for each team and a known commodity that was on their way out. No, exactly. And now talking about that nerve and kind of transitioning into what we have on the ice this year, uh, now that the season's begun, who in your mind is looking like a strong candidate for the Stanley Cup final appearances this year? What, who's your pick for the two top teams? Well, uh, my prediction at the beginning of the year was the Winnipeg Jets and the Carolina Hurricanes. I call it the Paul Maurice Bowl. Um, his current team against his former team that he coached in two different stops. But I got to tell you that Winnipeg prediction is not looking good to start the season. Off to a bit of a rocky start, some losses in California, a blown lead late in Minnesota, uh, some COVID positive tests. The hex is on. The Frank, uh, the Frank curse is real, apparently. And even as soon as I picked them, I was getting tweets from Jets fans saying, like, why? Why would you do that to us? Because they think <laughs> back to that time that I picked the Oilers to win the Cup in 2018, coming off of that run in the playoffs where they almost got to the conference final. And then, oh, yeah, I picked them to win the Cup, and they didn't even make the playoffs. So uh, some tough sledding for me to start. Yeah. Um, but the point in the exercise was to be bold. I mean, yeah. right, if I'm going to tell you that the Colorado Avalanche are going to win the Cup this year, does it really does it get you excited? I mean, yeah, we know the Avs are a good team and off to a great start and have some world-class players. But, I mean, that's not exciting. So I tried to go a little bit, take a step off the ledge, and I took the Jets at a 40-to-1 shot, one of the real long shots this year. I just felt like they hadn't – really gotten enough attention and I don't know in the east I feel pretty good about the Canes no I like I like it for me I would love to see the Leafs like many Toronto Maple Leaf fans just get out of the first round after yeah you're not setting the bar at the cup you just want to get out of the first round yeah yeah exactly. baby steps that, that that's it that's all like if they make it further than that great let's just get out of the first round first that's I had them losing in the conference final to the Canes and I actually do think the Leafs do find a way to step, make a step forward this year. Everyone's all over Mitch Marner. I think Mitch Marner's biggest problem is that he wants to win too much, that he, you know, he tries to do too much. He wants it so bad. And I don't know that that's an awful trait to have because I think at some point you harness that, uh, you get a little bit older, and you find a way to convert that into positive energy. Um, I just think this team is too talented as currently constituted, provided that the goaltending can hold up its end of the bargain and stay healthy as well. You've already seen the Morazic injury. Jack Campbell's had an injury history. They got to stay on the ice. And so if they do, I think that that team can do some real damage in the playoffs. We know they can do it in the regular season. At some point, all those demons need to get cleared out, don't they? I mean, even the Red Sox won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, now, in 2019, you were elected president of the Professional Hockey Writers Association. What does it mean for you to see, like you talked about how many doors you had to open, how much kind of backbone work had to go into it. What does it mean to see your hard work and dedication pay off in that role now? Pay off in the sense that I was handed more work. 
Um, yeah, it's hey, it's a cool title. <laughs> it may be a cool title. I don't know. Like, I definitely don't get anything for it. I'm just kidding. Uh, I I obviously have, um, you know, in in being chosen to lead this group, I hope the respect of my peers. Um, but it's a work position. It's um, a lot of hours and brain power, um, emails, communication you know, picking different battles that you need to dealing with media access issues that have popped up, especially during the pandemic with a lot of our jobs being moved to Zoom only, that's made it difficult. And, you know, making sure that we're in a position to give back and uh, contribute to the different markets that our, our fabulous writers and reporters operate in and, um, you know, make sure that we're a fabric of the community, whether it was raising money for N95 masks at the very beginning of the pandemic for healthcare workers, or, you know, contributing to a scholarship fund or something different that pops up. Um, those are the types of initiatives that I'm interested in and uh, just sort of bettering the work environment for as many people in our field as possible. No, and that's great. Um, now, one last question I have for you is you're, you run a podcast called The Daily Faceoff, the DFO Rundown podcast. How did that kind of start and how did you, like, how were you involved and uh, where can people find it to listen to it? Yeah, so it's funny. It started in an odd sort of way. My now co-host, Jason Greger, I was working at TSN at the time. He had called and he said, hey, uh, do you have anyone that you would recommend for a podcast? Like we're looking to branch out. He was involved with the nation network as one of its original uh, founding partners, I guess you could say. And I was like, like on the call, like I was like, well, you know, I could think of some people and I was like, but Hey, like me, I'm available. Like I I'd like to do a podcast. And funny enough, uh, I was working at TSN at the time. Um, I let them know that I wanted to do a podcast on the side and we started the DFO rundown last January. We had wrapped up, uh, we're getting closing in on episode 75. You can watch it on YouTube. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcast, the DFO rundown on Apple, Spotify, all those different places. Also on our website, dailyfaceoff.com. And then it's amazing. You know, I was saying at the beginning of our chat about you never know where life is going to take you or what ends up on your plate. Uh, I'd made a decision in May that I needed to step back from TSN. Uh, I needed to change. I wanted to do something different. And I, I just, I resigned. I, I didn't, I didn't have anything in my back pocket. Um, this is the God's honest truth. I, I had no idea where I was going to go next. And I just knew that I wanted to do something different. And the same people from daily face off that I had the pod with, they said, Hey, we we're interested in growing what we're doing here at daily face off. Why don't you come and join us on a full-time basis? Um, and that's been, you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made professionally uh, to touch a lot of different things, uh, start our new daily face off show that we stream live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube every day, uh, every weekday during the season at 12 noon Eastern uh, start a property like that, hire people, have them come join our team. Some of the best writers and analysts out there. Uh, start other podcasts. Develop a podcast network. All these, you know, fun different challenges that have given me a shot in the arm in, in my career. And I'm uh, eternally grateful and thankful for that initial call from Jason to have the conversation, um, you know, about doing something different. And look where it's led me. So kind of a, a really fun, um, different exciting adventure that I had never really expected. 
No, and that's great. And hey, I'm grateful for you to take the time out to talk with us today. Really appreciate the time. You want to you wanna do a little rapid fire? A little rapid fire? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we can. So uh, usually it's at the start of the shows, but let's wrap, let's uh, end the show off with a little. Well, rap. that's how I end my DFO rundown is always okay. with a little rapid fire with our guests. So I just, I figured you just did it at the end. That's all. All right. I like it. Um, so what's the strangest thing in your fridge right now? Oh, my wife really likes kombucha. Uh, I'm not a big kombucha drinker, but um, just seems kind of odd to me. Like the, it's like yogurt in a bottle. But yeah, I would say that's the oddest thing in my fridge at the moment. Now you're busy with sports, but what's a favorite TV show that you're watching right now? Right now at the moment, it's Succession on HBO. I was really big into Billions on Showtime. Um, my favorite TV show of all time is Sons of Anarchy. And I don't spend a lot of time watching TV. Like anytime I turn it on, it's probably hockey, but I do like those, you know, sort of series. I liked Game of Thrones, all the different HBO ones that have popped up. Uh, I mentioned Billions and there's one other show that I, I watch a lot with my wife. It's called Blacklist. Uh, that was on for a while and it's still going. So I enjoy the occasional Blacklist as well. Okay. Okay. Uh, favorite time of day. Whew. I don't even, I don't know. Maybe uh, I was going to say, I don't know that my wife will love this answer, but maybe like when we get the kids to sleep, my kids are five and seven. And so everything is chaos. I feel like all day, it's like, <laughs> hurry up and get them to school in the morning. Then I jump right into like podcasts, radio, writing shows, all those different things at night. I've still got some different responsibilities doing some things with Sportsnet and Valley sports here in the U S and then it's kind of like kids get home from school and everything, you know, get them to hockey practice, do this and do that. And then it's like 8 30, nine o'clock shower and bedtime. And that's kind of when I get a chance to decompress and think about doing it all over again. No, that's great. My last rapid fire question. I'm going to exclude Philly because you're from Philly. That's going to be your hometown favorite. What NHL team is your favorite to watch outside of Philly? You know, uh, I was actually like, I, I don't know the answer to this question because I actually don't really like watching one team any more than the other. And obviously some teams are more exciting than others. Some teams are bored, you know, some teams are just non-competitive and you're like, I don't really spend a lot of time watching that team in general, but I try and watch all 32 teams. And I say that without a word of a lie, like I'll put on, the new ESPN plus package in, in the U S that's the only way to watch games on a streaming platform now. And they have this thing called the multicast where you can throw four games on the screen at once and flip back, you know, just kind of like move your cursor around to change the sound to which one you're listening to. So I'll throw four games up there and I'll watch all four at the same time and whatever's happening, I might make one bigger, but I bounce around a lot. Um, and I, I think that's just the true answer is that I, I don't prefer one team over the other. No, hey, you know what? That's a simple way of watching four games at once. Because right now I got a couple TVs set up downstairs, so I can watch oh, games at once. And you lucky guy. Oh, don't worry. I, I'll show you this setup one day. Don't worry. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Frank. Really appreciate the time, and uh, yeah, all the best with the hockey season this year. My pleasure, Ryan. Great to be with you.